Um, so you know how I just said we're going to talk about like our, our memories of um, movie rental places, right? Yes. Well, I lied. Uh, lied. I think we need. Yeah, I lied. I think You're the thing we person? need to do. I. Uh, I have a degree in lying. Uh, ah, fuck. <laughs> that's that's true. It's true. You're a trickster uh, god. Gotcha. Um, I think we need to take this time right out of the gate to talk about what we put each other through. <laughs> Oh, we're gonna have a therapy session. We're gonna have a really cool oh, therapy good. session. Okay, because uh, I watched Waterworld, then I watched Cable Guy, and then I rewatched Daredevil. So I have some things to say to myself as well. Uh, <laughs> Joe, watching Jim Carrey in The Cable Guy was like having somebody touch the area around my butthole, but never actually touching my butthole. That might be the most apt description of that performance <laughs> I've ever heard. That's very accurate. <laughs> On... Especially considering like the still of him that you chose to use for the promo for this for this recording. <laughs> I just googled like Duke Carey Cable Guy, and it was the first one popped up. I forgot like Perfect. the context of what he's doing, which is uh, molesting the wall, molesting the wall. Yeah, being painful. <clears throat> to so watch. yes, <laughs> Mike. Of the three of us, I'm least upset at you. I I, I know. <laughs> I, I... <laughs> I'm aware. I, I deserve my scorn. I understand. Water I just want to point out that I have loved you both through so many things. So I would like to just pause it. Get it out. Get it out. Look at this. What is this? This is what I love you through. I can't. Oh, Take no. That's, you can't is read that it? The, is that the Whitaker tapes? Yeah. I can. The yeah. Whitaker tapes? First of all, I, you, you're pretty far and small away from me. But like I, oh. I've, I've seen that image in my nightmare so many times. <laughs> So it's what, a film it, that Jack did. No, I don't think I know about the Whitaker Dark Secret. Um, the, deep, the very, very, cut. very first thing I ever directed was a full-length feature. Uh, oh. Found footage horror. We'll have to watch it sometime. Called the Whitaker It's great. Tapes. And Mike doesn't only just have, like, a copy. He has the extended version. Oh. Yeah. You got, you got the extended cut. It's yeah. only because I had to uh, effectively badger him for, like, yeah. ten years. He's the only person that liked it. <laughs> I was there in uh, what was the name of the was it Waller? Uh, the, yeah, no, Waller was the building, and then um, the black box, the black box yeah. in the basement was. And I'm there with people, and people around me are like, "Oh my god, I don't get it. I, I can't understand." I'm like, "It's time travel. They're they're going back. It's not hard. Just pay attention." It's, it's nonlinear storytelling, and people were very confused. Uh, in their defense, why am I doing that? Uh, the audio was really bad in that space. It's not meant for films. It's meant no. For that, I, I've been in that. I've been in that theater, and yeah, you're absolutely right. It would be terrible, and yet, basically for films. And while you say that, that's tight. But I have the strongest ADHD in the world. <laughs> I wouldn't have not noticed that. That that might, that might be the truest statement I've heard. <laughs> so if I'm able to follow along on the narrative, there's no yeah. excuse for anyone else in that room. You yeah. and Steve Harvey. Like, Steve Harvey is just a, a phenomenal human being. Yeah, no. So, just a, I, I, I just don't an know him very well, but I, mean, I enjoyed the times I met him. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, yeah, he's great. It's way nicer therapy session than I expected. I, I assumed we'd be like, <laughs> fuck, well, you, I was just going to say, over. I love you guys so much, through so much, and then yeah. 
you did oh, this right. to me. We did we did inflict some things upon you. You're like, who should we bring in on this to hurt? You did. And you say both like, I imagine hey. you both in unison looked at each other, met eyes, and were like, Mike. You're not wrong. It's not it, it was close to that. <laughs> it was pretty close to that. I mean, Jack Jack had the idea for the episode, and then I forget which one of us was like, oh, Mike would be perfect for that. He has strong opinions about so many things. Exactly. Well, like so the reason we're doing this episode is because we're both going through late stage capitalism. Woo! Um and like I moved and Joe's in hell. In hell. Uh and we're like, who do we know who can like just mostly talk for us through an episode? <laughs> uh, Hi. My name's Mike. So, uh Mike, I'm sorry I'm sorry to make you watch the two thousand three Daredevil starring Ben Affleck, Jennifer Garner. I'm sorry. I I I hear your apology and I appreciate it. I'm also sorry to have made you watch the uh, 1996 dark uh, black comedy, which references Waterworld. Which does does reference Waterworld. I remembered that. Yeah. Uh, Starring Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick. I'm sorry. I hear your apology. And I accept pieces of of Ben Stiller as well. Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, he he directed it. I mean, he directed it. Yeah. it, It was like the beginning of Ben Stiller's type of comedy. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah, it's a. We'll, we'll, I'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that later on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, all right. So, are we are we all friends again? I yeah, think, I think, yeah. We're good. I think this that was good went, therapy. That went a lot more smoothly than I was than I thought yeah. it might. I'm I mean, you guys like... didn't apologize to each other. You only apologized to me. So, I think you guys should. Do I'm that. not done hurting Joe. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Jack's going to continue hurting me for a long, long time. Yeah, that's that's well, the premise. Okay, of the show. but well, then also maybe like Joe, you know, I'm probably going to continue hurting you for a very long time. Like that's just a pastime. Great. Now, you guys hey. apologize to me. I, I just want you to know that I'm not sorry for anything. You know what? I'm, I'm <laughs> fine either of that. No, that's fine. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, uh, I, I think that's fair. Your movie, Waterworld, was the the most guilty pleasure movie and the least painful. I still, like, after watching, I was like, man, I should have done, I still should have done Tremors. <laughs> like, but, but Tremors is, is good. Like, Tremors is a good movie. Like, I would have no guilt watching that film. It's so or saying good. to somebody that I enjoyed Well, that film. trying to get anyone to watch Tremors with me is like pulling, it's like the scene really? where Daredevil pulls the tooth out of his mouth. <laughs> no one will do it. And First I'm like, all, but this is a masterpiece. <laughs> for for the purposes of this podcast, we yeah, cannot I know, call I know. him daredevil we call him ben affleck ben affleck okay fair fair uh because at no point and this is the movie i picked at no point does he actually act it's just ben affleck it is just ben affleck yeah i think yeah that's a fair assessment fantastic welcome to drazzle the podcast that takes award-winning worst films and fixes them i'm host jack overton here suffer alongside me is today's guest the person who's always here joe the joe Yes. I think that makes him not a guest. I live in this chair! Well, Hi, I'm Michael Elliott. I'm the guest on the show Derazzled. So today we're going to do something a little different. Um, instead of taking the worst film uh, from the Razzies, we're going to talk about our guilty pleasure films. We've each dug deep into our childhoods to <laughs> reveal more about ourselves than we, we probably should. Uh, but before we get to that, I wanted to have a conversation about critics and audiences and why they so often vary in their opinions on a film yeah i think that's gonna be i think that's a good idea because 
one of the things we've we've talked about repeatedly in uh, in some of our previous episodes has been the idea that audiences are more forgiving than critics. Uh, hence, why you see, I, I think, I think you see um, with most recently, uh, the Eternals is a great example. Mm-hmm. How like that, that like, we watched the Rotten Tomatoes score for that plummet in real time as the as the critical reviews were coming in, and to the point that I think it hit fifty percent at one point. Wow. Um, possibly that could have also been a photoshop and a ship hosting group i have no idea but the but the audience score is up around like what 89 something like that something like that it's it happens frequently um and it goes the other way too where you'll have uh oscar darlings um that an audience will absolutely hate but critics love yeah you'll see that may i posit another one too where it's Please, please uh specifically with two of these films where it's more of the journalism around it going like coming out because you've got the highest paid actor in a film up to that point, which was Jim Carrey for the Cable Guy for twenty yes. million, that was, and then yeah, you that have Waterworld, payday to date at that point, which was two hundred million, I believe, right? Something ridiculous. Um, that the bu- the total budget on that I looked it up earlier it was like one hundred and fifty seven million dollars. Yeah, something like that. It was extravagantly high for ninety. I think that might have been one of the earlier like this was an estimate, and I think it did breach two hundred million. Um, because like I think two hundred thirty eight million was what they got. Uh, whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, but it, it, overall there, gross, it, I think got around two hundred thirty million, something like that. But there was so much journalism ahead of time talking about those things and talking about some of the things that happened on set, specifically for Waterworld, where they primed both the critics and the audiences to pick it apart upon arrival. Raise Uh, expectations so high mm -hmm. that it had trouble matching it, even if it had been a really, really good film. Or also being like, look how awful this, like, environment is. It's going to be awful. And it's right. got so much money. Come watch. <laughs> Just like come, come watch. Come check out this train wreck. But uh, tell it that it's shit. <laughs> so, uh, oftentimes on this podcast, I tend to lean closer to the critic, uh, critic, critic score. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to um, be, <laughs> kind of give a disclaimer before we get into this conversation about cheeseburgers, right? So, some cheeseburgers are very manufactured made to satisfy the broadest audience possible, right? You McDonald's, Burger King, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, they are not made with love. <laughs> but they, they do the job, right? Sometimes you're just like, you're, you're driving down the highway and you're like, I need a, I need a cheeseburger. I right? just need to throw some grease in my mouth. Right, right, right. Um, like th- this entire, um, the reason we're doing this episode is because I just moved. And the entire week I'm like, I, I want a McDonald's cheeseburger. And not just like a Big Mac. I want the McDouble. That's a double cheeseburger with only one slice of cheese. They don't even bother with the second slice. But I want like four of those in my mouth. Oh, yeah. It's comfort food sometimes. Right. Then you have what uh, Jack four days ago wrote, the artisanal ass burgers uh, that are made with love by a chef who has studied all across the world to bring you this cheeseburger that is fucking delicious. A masterpiece of a, a cheeseburger. Master, a masterpiece of a cheeseburger, which to me is is Sorrows. Just really loves. The Sorrows is solid. They they, they, they like. Mm, mm. I used to live over by there, and like in the morning, you could smell the meat smoking on your way to work. And I'm just like, oh, I'm right. To Sorrows uh, being a restaurant that you used to live across the road correct. from. Yes. Correct. Yes. 
So, like, an artisanal burger would be, like, the unbearable lightness uh, of being, right? Or, like, dog tooth. Um, and, like, a McDonald's burger would be, like, venom to carnage. Let there be carnage. Let there be Woody Harrelson. Let there be cheeseburgers. <laughs> oh, man. I watched the shit out of that. Um, <laughs> Just Tom Hardy eating a bunch of cheeseburgers with Woody Harrelson. Yeah. Yeah. With like, a, yeah, a, I would watch that. Equip, quippy quips from the symbiotes. I'd buy that. Yeah. Um, I haven't watched the second one, so I'm taking that Woody Harrelson was in that one. Yeah. I've I've watched neither of them, nor do I. I might actually them. watch it now if Woody Harrelson's in it. I, I fucking but love he it. is Carnage. Yeah. So out. What? Well, I, yeah. It it's so weirdly miscast. <laughs> I would ne- I'm curious. It's a situation where you're like, this is going to be a, a an explosion of awful, so go watch it. But, however, Woody Harrelson used to get cast as like the crazy person all the time. Yeah, I think like natural born killers yeah. and so on and so forth. Which and white men can't jump exactly. Yeah, jump, yeah, precisely. <laughs> His father. This is true. Woody Harrelson's father was one of the men that was suspected of being the assassin of JFK. Wait, really? Yeah, there's like five or six people before they settled on the Patsy. I mean, <laughs> uh, Lee Harvey Oswald. Wild. Um, yeah, Woody Harrelson's father was was a absolutely like a criminal. He just why don't we have a movie on Patsy? that? I mean, I, I want a movie on that. Woody could play him. It would be perfect. Yeah, and I'm, his son at the same time. This is so much more interesting than the show we have planned. Uh, <laughs> I think the only reason, don't quote me on this because it's been a while since I've read about it, but I think the reason he was ultimately ruled out was because he was off doing crime in another city. Oh, hell yeah. No, no, no. I left a paper trail in Austin. Very clearly was holding up a liquor store in Austin. You can see me there. Very proud of this robbery. Yeah. So why do you guys think critics and audiences differ so so often? After now that we've all said like we can both enjoy a good cheeseburger of any variety, yeah. Why do audiences and critics differ so so often? I think a lot of it comes down to, I, like what like what you're watching the movie for. You know, mm-hmm. I think because like mm-hmm. a, a critical eye, you're looking for you're looking for the the craftsmanship of it. You're looking for uh, like you're you're looking for the best possible performances, the best possible design. And so on and so forth. If you're if you're just going to watch a movie, like some people are going to watch movies for that. Some people are just going to watch for an escape. They want to have fun. They want to they want to not think about their humdrum lives for like an hour and a half to three hours or whatever. Like a a critic is looking to see if it's done well. Yeah, and if it's art. Yeah, most people most of the time. Let's 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 not give critics that kind of breadth of like power. Uh, I have a, but typically, yes. Yeah. To be clear, some critics are so fucking full of shit and yeah. get it yes. wrong, get it so so wrong. Yes. <laughs> so maybe, maybe but like, you further, I want to make this point. Um, critics, their job is to watch movies, right? Mm-hmm. So they watch a fuck ton of movies. Uh, so friend and going of off that, going off that, jaded. It's so yeah. easy as a critic to become jaded. Yeah. Uh, so, and whereas you're seeing possibly an actor in several different roles, and like maybe this is one did not inspire you like the others, but you've got people that might have never seen this person before. Yeah. Might, this might be the first time they're seeing it. It might be beautiful to them. 
Like, uh, the expectations of the audience are typically going to be lower on the artistic side. Uh, did it entertain? I um, think so a lot of what Joe said, <laughs> basically. Critics get, critics get bored. Of course. Uh, so, so friend of the podcast, I asked him, I asked Aaron this the other day. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm like, Aaron, how many movies do you watch in a month? Would you say? And he's like, uh, anywhere between like zero and four at the most. Sure. Yeah. That's and reasonable. For October, oh, October is kind of a, a different, right? Because like, I'm watching Halloween movies, but like I watched 33 movies last month. That's exhausting. Wow. I loved it. Um, but like typically I'll watch between like 12 and 25. So I get really bored seeing the same thing over and over and over again. Like if I'm seeing the same um, formula uh, or performance mm-hmm. repeat itself, I'm like, eh, I'm kind of just bored mm-hmm. looking at my phone at that point. Um, so when something does something new and original that might alienate an audience member, I'm like, ooh, this is different. So to kind of kind of piggyback <laughs> off of what we were saying about uh, about uh, you know the critic and audience scores. So my film that I picked for today is The Cable Guy. Mm-hmm. And it is the first film that I think we've talked about to where the audience score is on Rotten Tomatoes is lower than the critical score, but they're both bad. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. And what were they? Uh, those are uh, the the uh, the audience scores of 51 and the critical scores of 54 on Rotten Tomatoes. On Rotten Tomatoes, okay. And then on 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 I, on, on, on IMDb. 6.1 to 10. Or, or 6, 6.1 out of 10. I was say, like, it jumped to a 10? Damn, no, what no, happened? No, no. <laughs> Did last podcast get people to try and jump? Yeah. No, because no, no, that doesn't work that way. It goes backwards. Yeah. Yeah. They tried that. <laughs> they tried. It went bad. It went very bad. Um, not that that helps for, for our discussion on audience versus critic, but yeah, it's a... Well, I think it's a good 10. idea to give those, those scores now, mm-hmm. though. So what were... Do we have Daredevils? Because um, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't yeah, have any. No, no, no. Um... For Daredevil, uh, Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 44, and audience is 35. Oh, wow. So, uh, wow. wow. I, yeah, mine is definitely is... the best, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yours yours is lower on both counts than mine was. Oh, yeah, no, Joe's, yours is the best scoring of the three. That's Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. What were Waterworlds, unfortunately? Um, so, so IMDb's for Daredevil is 5.3 out of 10. And then... Okay. For Waterworld, uh, critic response for Waterworld is 48%, and audience is 43 Wow. Okay. Which is fucking... Joe, everything weird. you said was a lie. Everything <laughs> I said was a lie. You walked in here, you lied a lot, please leave, it's now just me and Jack. I think I have and to then... retire, I'm sorry everybody. <laughs> and then IMDb score for Waterworld is 6.2 out of 10. Um, also, I guess while we're doing this... Uh, Let's talk about the Razzie Awards. Um, specifically, Cable Guy. Cable Guy has none. Cable Guy has none. It wasn't nominated for a single Razzie. No. It was nominated. Second time we get to invoke this. It was nominated for Worst Picture at the Stinkers. I forgot to check the Stinkers. It was nominated at the Stinkers for Worst Picture. It did not win. What, what I forgot won? the Stinkers existed. Yeah, because they stopped out, out of nowhere in, after 2006. Nobody really knows why. Hashtag. Bring back the stinkers. Hashtag bring back the stinkers. <laughs> and we should be doing it. I, we should, honestly. Um, for Daredevil, it was... Uh, 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 it won Worst Actor for Ben Affleck. Both for Daredevil... Jiggly? Jiggly? Jiggly. And Paycheck. So it was a three-way win for Ben Affleck. Damn. 
uh, and Waterworld. And I think um, I was telling Joe about this a little earlier, Mike. I think we are going to end up doing a full episode on wa- Waterworld at some point. You should. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, there's, I think there's a lot of material yeah. to work with there for a fully fleshed out episode. There's a so, depth. Yeah. yeah. It, uh, speaking of water. Huh? Huh? Fuck depth. Huh? So huh? It, the only thing it won, it won worst supporting actor for Dennis Hopper, which I was kind of deserved, though. Deserved. <laughs> uh, it was best. nominated for worst director. Uh, for for uh Kevin Reynolds and Which is so unfair, with more than a little unasked assistance from Kevin Costner. That's there it is. Yeah. I can't wait till we get to it because I've got a couple things to bring up. On I'm that, sorry, but... did I say that was nom? It won. It won that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, you said you said one. No, it it, it it won worst director. Yeah, I was gonna say you um, said it won. And then um nominations, it was nominated for worst picture and worst actor. Rude. Real quick, I want to circle back onto the onto that stinker award for mm-hmm. Cable Guy. Uh, it was nominated not for worst picture, but for most painfully unfunny comedy, mm-hmm. which actually went mm-hmm. to Biodome. Huh? It's weird to think Biodome came out the same year as I know. It's weird. That's very strange. Time's stupid. Yeah. Um, also, the it's constructed. And I'm pretty sure the only reason that Waterworld didn't win was. I think it was the same same years like Showgirls or something. I would like say it's either Show. I think it was Showgirls that won that, that won worth yeah. a picture that year. That'll yeah. do so it. Like, the only thing that saved Waterworld is that Showgirls is such a terrible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think we're planning to do an episode on that, we right? Absolutely are. Yeah. yeah. Um. Great. So now that we know where we stand, do we want to take take a break for for ads? Yeah, take an ad break real quick. And when, when we come back, we'll start launching into uh, why I think the cable guy is a thing. Great. <laughs> why you think it's a thing at all. Hell buy yeah. It on DVD right so, here. Real quick, let's, um, <laughs> it's extant. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are now going to start jumping into uh, trying to defend these pieces of shit that we presented to each other. And I'm going to go first. So... As mentioned, I, uh, I've shared with uh, with my friends here uh, the 1996 Jim Carrey comedy, The Cable Guy. Can you sum it up in like two paragraphs? I can, actually. I've watched this movie so many times that it I didn't even rewatch it for this. It just lives in my mm-hmm. head, which is gives you should give you an unsettling glimpse into what my brain is like. <laughs> it explains a lot, actually, of our entire friendship. Yeah. Oh, the other thing I was going to say from the start. Oh, God damn it. Because I showed the Whitaker tapes for Jack. For you, I'm saving up money to take you to fucking Machu Picchu. Yeah. Literally saving up money so we can go to Machu Picchu. Why? Play D&D. Or, I mean, something similar. I don't know that we're actually going to do that while we're there. We, when we first met, we, uh, one of the things we, he had a dice on his shirt thing and that's how we started talking wearing a nerd ass shirt that mike mike connected with in our spanish class and then and this very quickly after that they were talking about machu picchu and we're like man wouldn't it be fucking cool to someday have the money to just rent machu picchu like it's a it's a national tourist thing for them so they'd be like oh no 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 we do not we don't we we don't do that and we go here's a briefcase and they go yes everyone get off the mountain Everyone down, down, can I, down. Can I ask how far you are into this fund? Honestly, it's not as expensive as I expected. I need, like, only 2K. Uh, I've been helping my brother pay off one of his, like, credit cards. Mm-hmm. So, 
like now that that's done i can start saving towards that like it was it was only like 700 dollars a person for like a good catered trip so i need to be able to afford like flights mm-hmm. and that per person wild i'm not sure that i'm willing to bring so both to Florin and for... becca that's fair <laughs> while that would be beautiful <laughs> we'll figure it out hell yeah anyway so the cable yes. guy uh, is a story about a uh, story about a man named steven played by matthew broderick who is who uh is having relationship issues. He moves into an apartment after living with his girlfriend, Robin. And in the process of trying to get his apartment set up, he meets, uh, he meets this cable guy uh, played by Jim Carrey, who immediately tries to insert himself as a friend into Stephen's life. And Stephen is an awkward guy. He doesn't have a lot of friends. He's, he, he tries to be nice to this guy that he thinks is just really lonely. And it very quickly devolves into this cable guy just stalking him and trying to take over his life and ultimately uh, putting him and his and his uh, girlfriend in danger. Uh, oh, I'm just very uncomfortable with this movie. Yeah, yeah no, that's, it should be. It should make you uncomfortable. So it's also Jack Black is there. As also, like Jack Black is there the as sensible one. Yeah, Jack and he Black doesn't. There's the straight man and the uh, and the voice of reason. Yeah, I I'll wait. I have opinions. <laughs> Lauren so, has already had to deal with all of these opinions, so now it's your guys' turn. I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, to hear what everyone to hear what both of you have to say about this movie. Uh, so, so I I've been a li- I've been a lifelong Jim Carrey fan, as we all have. Yeah, I I think most people have. I mean, my I think I, I've I've said on the podcast at least once now that uh, when I was in second grade, my mom made me return a a <laughs> uh, uh, a cassette copy of Green Day's Dookie. Uh huh. And when I asked her, like, well, can I get something else instead? She got me a VHS copy of Ace Ventura when nature calls. So, <laughs> what was wrong with Green Day's Dookie? She didn't like the lyrical content, uh, okay. you know, just, which I don't think uh, I don't think she actually understood the lyrical content because she was hearing it through my basement bedroom wall. Sure. So, you know, it's it, which is fine, you know, whatever. Um, but, you know, Ace Ventura when nature calls <laughs> the one where he comes out of a mechanical rhino's ass naked. Way better. Um, way, way better. Be- way more appropriate for a second grader. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so like, those kind of movies were always like a staple in our household, like kind of dumb comedies and, you know, that feature big comedic presences like him, like Chris Farley, like uh, like Mike Myers, so on and so forth. Like they had a big presence in my household growing up. And this one, this one kind of clicked with me uh, differently as a, uh, you know, as, as a, 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 you know, weird, depressed emo kid. So uh, which one did you relate to? Yeah, I'm which curious. Which did I relate to? Uh-huh. Um, Jack Honestly, looking back, probably Jack Black, but no. I- but not the brother Bob Odenkirk. Because that's who I related to the most. That's, that's who I should have related to. Also, one was, line. Was that Andy Dick? That was Andy. Andy Dick, Dick yeah, was yeah. there, yeah, yeah. Andy Dick, yeah. Andy Dick was the guy at medieval. They time. got a lot of people. They, they, they to be a part of Yeah, Owen Wilson, a young Owen Wilson there. Uh, getting his never be in a bathroom alone with Jim Carrey. <laughs> no, that's what I. That is what. That's the cheapest. you get beat up or you watch him beat himself up. Yes, which is <laughs> just as uncomfortable. <laughs> Two options, both of them terrifying and both traumatic. Terrifying <laughs> yeah, for everyone involved. I didn't yeah. like seeing Owen Wilson as a mean person. Dude, that was great. I mean, he was good at it. He was good at it. He's he's just Owen Wilson's so good. Uh, wow. No, I th- I think wow. when wow. Wow. 
<laughs> Someone had to do it. I, 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 I was going to, but you, you beat me to it, and then it just became a cascading chorus. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, we just cut out 40 minutes of us saying wow, just in case you're wondering. Wow. Can we just do 40 minutes of wow? We cut wow. it out already. Wow. <laughs> Dude, because you could save that, and people could listen to that as white noise. Wow. Oh my god, you're right. Wow. Imagine you need, wow. need to sleep better. Wow. 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 <laughs> if Becca's watching right now, she's so upset. Uh, um, no, I think I think I, I I identified more with Steven at the time, like as a kid, because like you can't relate to Jim Carrey's character. You can't, and that's a no. problem. And if you do, it's a like... problem. It is a pro- it is, I agree, very much a problem. <laughs> I need to mute myself until you finish your synopsis. It <laughs> I feel like the same people that identify with Jim Carrey in that movie are the same people that identify with like Patrick Bateman and American Psycho. Oh God! Yeah, I honestly I don't think anyone does. I think like that's a fair like statement, but like I don't think anyone, not even even the people that would, I don't think anyone does. He that one of the problems is it's so alien that no one can actually identify with it. I think like the movie itself almost points it out to you, like point like point blank in that dream sequence that Steven has where he goes full <laughs> oh, Incredible Jesus. Hulk and is just like, I just want to hang out. No <laughs> yeah. big deal. And like he comes like bounding down the hallway. <laughs> I, I love it. <laughs> I'm leaving. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Only time I think I laughed during the entire thing. That's fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think like this this movie, I think for me, what was interesting about this movie was that it was more than just a comedy. Like it, like, mm-hmm. like it was a lot because because when you look at it, especially looking back at it, it's not a comedy by any stretch of the imagination. This movie's not funny. It is terrifying. This movie is a psychological thriller wrapped up in the, the like the the uh, the shiny foil of a of a dark comedy. Like any other actor, if any other actor had played that part, it would not have been labeled a comedy. I I read earlier today that it was that apparently Chris Farley was supposed to play yes. uh, was supposed to play the cable guy. Oh God, mm. I I don't like that. I, never I, mind. Do I, I. I, I will no, wait until the end. Terrible. Um, but like this movie, this movie was like the first thing that I can remember watching that. Uh, not only not only like presented like uh, like an intense story and did weird things with actors I was familiar with, but mm-hmm. it also like there's a like there's like a meta level critique going on of like what what like what our modern media consumption does mm-hmm. to us and what the uh, and especially like what like the twenty four hour news cycle does mm-hmm. to us like because like, we're at like the very beginnings of those things in the mid nineties and to, to see all of that kind of playing in and how like the actual main storyline goes and impacts that at the end, whenever he, whenever he gets thrown into the, the receiver of the satellite. I don't know. Like it felt poignant to me as a kid. It was like one of the first things where one of the first things I remember watching where like it it had more of an impact on me than making me laugh occasionally. Okay. When, when was the OJ trial? It was it was only a little bit before that, right? It was okay. a little bit before that, but there was yeah. But, but, they're but they're the, referencing a whole different trial, though. They, the, Menendez they? they're the, Menendez the Menendez brothers, the Menendez brothers, yeah. oh. but they but, they yeah, kind of mix them together. They do, they yeah, because instead of instead of it being the the kids killing the parents, it's the brother killing the mm-hmm. brother. Literally, um, the like racial like comment of like it was someone Asian. Oh they they were gosh. the Menendez brothers. Did yes. that. Yeah. Uh, oh my god. We know that, because that. of the last podcast on the left. 
yes right but yeah like the, I, I remember like that moment like i think it probably i think it went over my head as a kid but when it, like that moment where you hear the courtroom recording where he's like i think he was speaking yeah. asian yeah. And then you see the guys you see his head fall down he's like oh, why the fuck did i say that that's so stupid <laughs> Mm-hmm. Just yeah, like watching that, like watching it back. He's like, yeah, that is like cartoonishly stupid. Why? Yeah, <laughs> and like you know, it's a cool commentary on the times. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I, I think that I think that covers it really for my synopsis of it. What do you what uh, hit me hit me with what you guys thought? Do you so want to go I, first, Jack? Sure, go first, Jack. Um, you go first. I, I don't think it's a bad film. Actually, okay. I I think it was mismarketed. I think that's very fair. Yeah, I think it definitely was mismarketed. If it had been marketed as like an indie, um, man, I don't know. I see, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't. It is kind of a dark comedy, um, but kind of, kind of, one hundred percent. Putting it, <laughs> well, I'm trying like, to kind like, of because it's a, it's a satire. Uh huh. If it had been released as like if Miramax had put it out, right? Because they're a little bit more in like in that time period, a little bit more on the indie level, kind of um, yeah, ish. Um, then I think it would have done better rather than releasing it as a Jim Carrey vehicle. Mm-hmm. Like when I watched it the first time, I I was going into it with like oh, I've seen The Mask and I've seen Ace Ventura and I'm what the. It- it's such, this? it's such a departure from everything but, else he was releasing yeah. around that time. But even the stuff that came after that, though, you've seen the Truman Show. You've seen yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the biggest movie that he ever did. Uh, Spotless Mind. Eternal, Eternal Sunshine. Sunshine. Eternal Spotless Sunshine. Mind. Yeah, Eternal Sunshine. Yeah. Oh, My brain I love that just See, that out on that one. Departure from his style, though. Yeah. But that was a thing. Anyhow, I, I've got a whole comment on that. Continue. Right, right, okay. Um, so, like... The reason I didn't like it isn't because it's a bad movie. I think it's a good movie. I didn't like it because of the same reason I hate the fucking office. Because it made you just wildly uncomfortable the entire time. Because I I don't. (laughs) People who don't understand social cues, specifically boundaries, that makes me deeply uncomfortable. Yeah, and I don't. I don't like those people being the villain of the film. Yeah, no, I think that there is there is an argument for this film being ableist to a degree because because of the way that Jim Carrey's character is portrayed. Um, Originally, uh, just from some of the the light research I did on it, because I was trying to figure out and like get through my own thoughts on the film. uh, The original writer was going for more of a what about Bob? kind of feel yeah i remember see i think i saw that too that he was going for like a dark twist of on what about yeah bob. but like still much bob. lighter than what this was apparently jim carrey had a very strong because judd apto uh apto apto uh, yeah. had a whole like comment on this because you know he, he was a part of it he, uh, he was he, one of the main writers yeah i think yeah. he was only credited as a producer but he was also one of the main writers that, and he was and perhaps a little upset that he didn't get a writer comment but whatever uh he he was pointing out that like it had originally been much more what about bob not nearly as dark but that jim carrey really wanted to ratchet in and be make it that more dark comedy kind of thing i don't Um, find that surprising honestly i don't either it watching it made me think this is jim carrey trying to because he at that point had those other hits where he was the same character, basically. Like, very mm-hmm. just character-based. He hadn't gotten to the Truman Show, Man on the Moon, any of that yet. This felt like him being like, 
I'm going to do this again, but in a way that's going to make you so uncomfortable <laughs> that you're going to be okay with me not doing this again. Now, I, I had also read that some of that was Ben Stiller's influence. Oh, I'm sure. Director, mm-hmm. That he actually that they actually recorded two takes uh, or two approaches to every mm-hmm. to every scene where they would do one that was more what about Bob like and then one that was a little more uncomfortable, a little darker. Well, Avito actually said that like most of the time they were laughing through all like they the people that were filming it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm were so into, like, every time Jim did it, they loved watching him work and doing it, and they were all laughing. So when they got the actual, like, responses from audiences and critics, that they were, like, blindsided by it. They're like, what? And and I can totally understand that, being in the moment and being in the room and being like, this is funny because we're all friends. I could see us creating something like this and thinking that it was an absolute treasure and then finding out later that you've made everyone else uncomfortable because they weren't in the room too. That's an interesting thing to bring up because it, it it is uh, largely referred to as almost doing like a forty million dollar episode of the uh, of the Ben Stiller show. Yes, because of all the cast that were brought on, a lot of them had a lot of them had prior experience working with him on that. They were all friends. That's how you friends. get those kind of people together. You know. Yeah. Precisely, yeah, and then yeah, and then it's introducing an X factor like Jim Carrey into the mix of all of that, where you get where you get those darker, more uncomfortable um, pieces of performance. The way I've gotten myself to like it is to think of it that way: as Jim being like, "I'm going to burn this ver- version of me that you all see," <laughs> oh, and God. everyone's going to think my career's over. But like, I think I'm capable of something else. This is and my then, Yes, it's like, I'm going to do my thing, but in a way that's going to... Because that was my issue with it. Like, I like dark comedies. I'm not against mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no. Like, burn after reading. <laughs> Give me that shit. But I... the issue <laughs> is, like, I enjoy... Like, I watched it, I felt uncomfortable at times, but at the end, you enjoyed the experience. The cable guy, I... You just feel uncomfortable and unhappy the whole time. Uh, so, yes. Thinking, uh, thinking about two two different movies where the character is doesn't understand social cues, uh, but is not the villain. The first is Welcome to the Dollhouse, and the other one is Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, and they're yeah. they're both or burn burn after reading. You have Brad Pitt's character. Yeah, also not a villain by any stretch. Of the not a villain. Like there's yeah, endearing he's... qualities. Like. There was a point in The Cable Guy where I actually was like, this, because I had never actually watched it until today. Mm-hmm. It was one of the, few, like, me, myself, and Irene, I didn't watch, I didn't watch this. Your sister made me watch the other one. Yeah, I'm upset about, about it that. still. Yeah, I uh, that movie. <sighs> Why is there always gotta be sexual assault as a joke? But anyhow, I, uh, the 90s, the 90s were time. a wild world. But um, in this one, like, um, when they went to the restaurant, Medieval Times. Yeah. That's where this movie could have been good. Where you started seeing that, like, it could have been something about Jim Carrey, uh, Jim Carrey's character being more of a childish kind of character. Mm-hmm. Like, allowing Matthew Broderick to open up to that. To get away from his adult-only orientation. Right. Yeah. Because you have Steven, when they're on their way back to the, his apartment, he's like, that was great. We should do that again next week. I'm like, okay. Yeah. He's not and it was, the victim it was a, the entire time. Yeah. And it was a positive change from the, like, because there were still the awkward moments. 
there was the sure. basketball yeah. scene. Was that before? That was before that, that right? That was before. Yeah, yeah. The basketball scene was definitely before. Yeah. So like you have the basketball scene where it's like, oh, this is bad. This guy's awkward and mm-hmm. weird, and we should all be uncomfortable and scared of him almost. Yeah. He's also like hyper aggressive during that yes. scene, too. Yes, like, but you like- also you had that little bit of like understanding. Like he's really into the game. Yeah. Like you can understand the childish, like tile childish nature mm-hmm. of it. Whereas like we get into medieval times and you still have that, but then you could see the positive aspects of it. Look what right. a good time we had. Steve Look what a, a release a boring, you got. Like me. He Steven's very milk toast. And that's what you like. Maybe that's like how it helps Steven grow to not only understand people that aren't necessarily as socially adept as everyone due to whatever reason. Um, it could have turned into something more positive. It could have still been a vaguely dark comedy, yeah, yeah. but not so dark that you can't enjoy it. And like, other than Joe. lost that line. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm broken, so it's fine. <laughs> so, before we move on to the next one, did listening to Joe talk about the movie, did it change your mind on The Cable Guy? It actually, it, it helped a little bit. I was actually kind of surprised because I went into it thinking like, vi- Lo- if Lauren was here, she could tell you how negative it was. But mm-hmm. there are, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Especially getting to talk a little bit more about their opinions as they went into it and what they were thinking about, mm-hmm. and getting a chance to like really engage a little bit more on like, I think Jim Carrey was trying to burn this thing, <laughs> like trying to take you so far to the one side. Uh-huh. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was kind of a wild, like, kind of process-oriented thing to focus on. It, like, kind of recontextualizes a lot of those mm-hmm. moments. It is. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Uh, but I also just love the fact that Jack Black was in it. They mentioned Waterworld. Look at all of these things. <laughs> right. Dry land is not a <laughs> My only my, – my one thing I do want to bring up, though, is, like, the – like the oh, they're trying to talk about, you know, how media is, like, working its way in and it's like mm-hmm. – it's so ham-fisted, though. If you have to literally it say oh it out God. loud, you have that, failed. It is. It is. It is both like the most <laughs> I like like I roll like groan-inducing, but also like lovable little moments when you see Kyle Gass reach over for his book at the end after <laughs> after, oh the, God, after yeah. the cable gets knocked out. It's but like, it's come on, guys. It's lovable because I know who Kyle is. Yes, that's the thing. Because you, yeah, but it's you, not if lovable if you no don't know who Kyle is. is. Hold on, Jack doesn't know. So no, so. Kyle, the guy who reaches for the yeah. book at the end is like, huh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's Kyle Gass, the other half of Tenacious D. Tenacious D! Oh. Yeah. Okay, okay. But he just, like, looks at the book and he's like, oh, a book. And I was like, oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> just like, write it on the screen. <laughs> just say, we're talking yeah, about this. He picks the book up with his ham hands. Which I'm like, guys, you guys And you're like, wow, that's the, the meta I'm here for. <laughs> It, like, there's there's something I like about it because I respect the concept of. I really love the concept of Jack. Like, if if it's real, if Jim Carrey was like, I need to get people ready for me to do something different. Yes, that would be perfect. Especially when he's like, also, I'm going to get paid the most anyone has ever been paid for this. <laughs> yeah, that is great. Um, That's wild. I didn't know that. Honest, I, it did. It didn't redeem it for me. I, I again, I don't think it's a bad movie. I just am deeply uncomfortable by it. I think it's a terrible movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Uh, it doesn't redeem it, but... I don't think it's a bad movie, but it doesn't redeem it. It's a bad movie, but this kind of redeemed it. <laughs> it's a bad movie, but the outside factors kind of redeems it a little bit for me. I'll take it. That's but, so uh, weird, because I'm thinking, I'm like, well, Mike, you can't really, like, add that context to it and, and enjoy it. But it, I'm going to talk about Daredevil now, and the first thing I was going to say is, well, you have to consider the context of when it was made. <laughs> So yeah, let's 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 change uh, let's change yeah. uh, change tracks here. We'll move yeah. over to Jack having to defend Daredevil to oh us. Oh my god! So just, I, I've already warned the two of you, but but just to warn the viewers, um, this conversation is going to get pretty dark. Yes, um, like not funny dark. Like it's going to get pretty dark. So uh, like the Cable Guy, that's a dark comedy. This well, is like... it was supposed to be funny, but it wasn't fu- that funny. Uh, <laughs> less lisping in mind. Ah, oh, fair. Yeah, I bl- I'd buy that. Remember when he punched the lips out of it? Like, lisp? That was, that was an ad lib. That was a oh, mistake. Really? Yeah, <laughs> really? I actually, I was reading about that. Well, okay, this was, I, I got this from the IMDb trivia page, so take it with a grain right. of salt. It might not actually be <laughs> accurate. But uh, but supposedly, uh, that was a mistake. Jim Carrey just accidentally forgot to lisp, and then he just, like, <laughs> rolled with it, and it was like, my lisp is gone! And then he punched him again, <laughs> and they just kept it. And that actually makes me cherish it a little bit more. Yeah, that, I did. Well that done. was a pretty funny part. Jack, um, how dare you? <laughs> how dare you cause us to get to this point? Oh my god. But continue. Uh, get get so, dark. So, Fuck us up. So let's talk about uh, 2003's Daredevil. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, just a little content warning. Um, I'm going to talk about 9-11. I'm going to talk about uh, parental abuse. Um, uh, un- underage. Underage sex? Is that even a thing? If you're, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. So... I, I actually haven't rewatched this movie since probably undergrad. Um, okay. And my opinion on films uh, and that there's now been a second iteration of Daredevil uh, has changed my opinion of the movie. Um, so when I watched it today, uh, I did not enjoy it <laughs> for a number of reasons. Um, Aw. For, for one, it's a bad movie. Uh, <laughs> but... So the, so the guilty pleasure part of it wasn't pleasurable. Uh, so like, while I will, while I do think there are parts of the film that hold merit, um, most of my discussion will be why I did like it. Okay. Um, so <laughs> to bring some context to daredevil, uh, we'll start lighter. Uh, first of all, this uh, pre predates, Disney owning Marvel. Right. Um This is this is a Fox production, wasn't this it? This is a Fox production. And I want to just run through a couple of movies that were made pre uh Dis- Disney buyout. Just so you, just to bring those of you who've forgotten back to the dark ages when superhero movies were they you got what you got. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, Real. Right. Well, and and I've watched. I've re- like some of these. I I did enjoy the time, and I've rewatched since. And I'm like, oh, you know, we've gotten better, haven't we? Um, sure have. Namely, Blade. Like I remember I loving Blade. I haven't gone back and rewatched Blade. I can it, watch Blade. I can watch it too, but it's definitely not as good as I remember. One hundred percent. But like, it's one of the ones that I can watch again and be happy with. Um, I'm just gonna rattle them off because there's 17 according to. Film slash. God damn it, Jack. Was a slash film? Whatever. It's it's not a site I would say is reputable, but these are all true things. Um, Howard the Duck. 
<laughs> Ghost Rider. Fant- uh, Fantastic Four, one, and Rise of the Silver Surfer. Saw that in theater. <gasps> myself for it. Uh, X-Men, one, two, and three. Oh, okay. I can't remember if three had come out by that point. Mm-hmm. Fucking Brett Ratner. Yeah. It's so fun because I've watched so few of these because I'm so picky. Continue. Uh, like, Spider-Man, even as a kid. one, two, and three. Um, this one I want to bring up specifically because it came out a year after Daredevil, uh, but the Tom Jane, the Punisher. Oh, okay. Um, which we talked about a little bit, uh, during our, our guest spot on, uh, uh, you hate to see it. Uh, Hulk, the Angley Hulk, uh, the spinoff of Daredevil, uh, Electra. Yeah, that sure did happen. It, it, it's real bad. Then, then, uh, Blade one, two, and three. Um, I think that's, am I missing one? No, I think that's it. Yeah. Um. So, while while Daredevil wasn't received well at the time, it's received even less well now that we've seen what superhero movies can be. And and rewatching it, I'm like, oh, they're trying stuff that works in a comic book that does not translate well to the screen. Um. There's a lot of stuff where it's like we see the reflection in the glasses, and like that works really well on a comic book page. Yeah. It, it looks cheesy as hell on a um on screen unless it's like sin city which like the heightened reality level of that the stylization they set it up so they can do that yeah right um where's daredevil's meant to be like a dark drama superhero movie it's supposed to be more realistic like it's it's supposed to to have more grounding well (laughs) was it supposed to be was it continue sorry um let me be the worst aside possible (laughs) so this movie came out in 2003 right um, I would have been in high school, I think, not junior year. I think junior year, yeah. Um, and that would have been two years-ish after uh, 9-11, uh, the attack on the World Trade Center. Um, and it was, it, that which that happened when I was in the ninth grade. Uh, I remember because I specifically was home from school that day. So was I. Um, which is weird. That's bonkers. Um, I wasn't. Uh, which I'm like, I, I do wonder, like, would that have been better for my psyche had I been at school with my friends or, or not? Um, but, um, I was already, because of, because of my childhood, like I, I had a, a verbally abusive father, uh, growing up. And I was slowly moving away from what I'd been told to expect out of the world, which was, it's going to be great. You know, um, you're going to go to college and then you'll, you know, the thing you go to college for will be the thing that you do. Um, You know, when you grow up, you're going to eat ice cream. That's true. You can't do that. You can't eat ice cream Um, anytime you want. It's not. But we've all proven that theory wrong anyhow. (laughs) None of us are doing the things we went to college for. Correct. Yeah. That's uh, accurate. But, but this, yeah. this this is the closest that I've gotten so far to doing my degree. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We made, we made that movie. We made that movie. But um, like at, at the time. But not as a way of making money. Oh, no, 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 no. That was only a losing money type situation. Uh-huh. So we, we strictly lose money. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely a lot not coming off of like 11 hours of work. and then Anyway. Um, uh. So like it was that time period that I was becoming cynical i was becoming like the cynical teenage kid who's like oh this is how the world actually is um and then you're given a character uh which i I still do love the character of daredevil like 
I I do very much relate to that character. Um, and I've this is maybe jumping ahead a bit, but I don't really read Daredevil comics anymore. Not out of any particular reason, but because or because of like a, like I don't like it, um, or that they fucked a character up. But uh, a writer named Mark Wade, who's who's very famous in the world of comic books, um, wrote a lengthy run on Daredevil where he directly addressed Daredevil, Matt, Matt Murdock, has depression for a f- 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 fact. Um, like, he he struggles with it, and part of his depression causes him to make decisions that makes things worse for him. Um, f- basically, from the early 2000s till Mark Wade wrote his run, the the general notion that writers went with was, how can we take Matt Murdock and leave him in an even worse situation than we did prior um, to the point where I think he had he'd become like a literal devil before Mark Wade was like, yeah, it's such a Marvel thing to do. Though. It is. Yeah. Um, it's, and I'm, I'm sure it wasn't like the first time it had been happening. What can we do to happened. Spider-Man to make him more sad? <laughs> oh yeah, that, and they, and they made him an actual spider too. So it was very. Uh, then yeah, like yeah, ate himself sure, yeah. whatever it was so <laughs> gross they've done it a number of times but uh yeah it's gross anyway mark Webb was like what if we had him like try to get himself more mentally healthy and happy yeah yeah and it was interesting but it, i mean in a way it kind of goes back to what we talked about that maybe cut anyway um it did kind of break a character in the way that i'm like yeah i'm satisfied i'm good now <laughs> and i haven't really read any daredevil since then um, but the, the character is generally portrayed as a person who a is Catholic, um, B struggles with his Catholicism. Yeah. Um, and has depression, um, is he's a human being. He, he, he's in, in physical pain, emotional pain. Um, I'd be willing to say a better Batman. He, he is honestly, um, if, Daredevil was drew the same quality of writers as Batman did. It would be the better comic book. And so well, I mean, that's does. the thing. Like Batman is a rich person with problems, yeah. whereas you have <laughs> Daredevil, right? Who is someone that you can actually identify yeah. somewhat with problems. Yeah, I read Batman to like escape reality. I read Daredevil to relate to a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So in two thousand three, when this movie came out, um. My my father had moved out, right? They had, my parents hadn't divorced yet, but he'd moved out. Um, so I spent all so because of that, my mom was at work twenty four seven, and I spent all of my time, um, either at home or with my my first serious girlfriend, uh, Dusty, who we we were very um, what's the word? Not inner reliant. Codependent. codependent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, codependent. <laughs> that was a really cool way to say codependent without saying codependent. Interreliant. Inter-reliant. You're like, like wow, is this like a <laughs> this feels like a a business buzzword <laughs> to try to avoid that. They were <laughs> interreliant. interreliant. Uh legalese for codependent as fuck. <laughs> um so you have this character who doesn't relate to people, 
struggles with this Catholicism because I was I was raised Catholic at that point. Like it was that was the point at which I was most Catholic, mm-hmm. you know, the most detrimental period in a person's life. Yeah, um, at any person's life that happens to be forced to be raised Catholic, yes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so you have a character who doesn't relate to other people who struggles with his Catholicism, who finally meets a person who um, he can relate to this being a lecture in the film, which I will argue the one thing that works in that film is Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner's chemistry because they, they definitely got married after that. And you, you can definitely see they like had the smoochies on for each other. Yeah. Um, it's always, it's always somewhat interesting to see those dynamics play out on yeah. film. Like, like when you know that like a relationship is forming yeah. on that set, Kind of like Ben Affleck or, or, uh, or uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie on yeah. uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that just to be like, yeah, no, a movie where it's just like, oh, they're just eye fucking. Like, and actually fucking. The reason Ben and Affleck actually is fucking in the background. Ben Affleck is because, like, he is being Ben Affleck charming with her the whole time. Yeah. He's flirting oh, 100%, 100%, 100%. the whole time. 100%. Um, Matt Murdock doesn't flirt like that. No. Um, and those smooches were real smooches. Like, you, you can tell. Uh, so. Uh, this, this is more the comics in the movie, but n- me reading Daredevil, um, seeing like the worst shit happens at Daredevil. There's no other character that has maybe maybe Peter Parker, but like there's no other character that has the worse luck than Matt Murdock. But he still gets up. That's hard to say in Marvel because there's some of them that got fucked. Like some of the X Men, almost all of the X Men, honestly. Kurt Wagner, all of them. Oh, Kurt. I don't know, man. Magneto. Well, maybe. The, yeah. Almost <laughs> every mutant had this into Cyclops. Yeah, but they have a family. Unless they watched their family die. Kurt didn't have a family. No, they. Magneto the didn't have a family. family. The X Men X Men have the found family thing. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah, Daredevil doesn't doesn't do teams. He like he pals around with Spider Man. He kind of pals uh, around. You know, also kind of punches him in the face sometimes. There's that. He was also in the Secret Avengers, sort of. He was like, "I'm not a Secret Avenger, but I'm going to be a Secret Avenger all the time." <laughs> or New Avengers. I'm sorry, New Avengers. Anyway, <laughs> 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 that that you have this character that struggles struggles with loneliness and depression, and still like gets up and does the thing, um, makes him very relatable. Uh. Being that the movie was my first taste of that character, that was my connection to it. Is it a good movie? No, no, it's no, no. <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan, pretty great. Michael uh, Clark Duncan is an excellent kingpin. I will, yeah. I will, I, I will give you that. It does take like forty-five minutes for them to introduce him. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of rewatching it now and being more of a writer. There's a lot structurally that I would change. Um, I would definitely get rid of the voiceover. The voiceover is the definitely voice there. To, oh, like, God. The voiceover does not work. Like I oh, do love can... the concept, though, of like Daredevil just falling into a church. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. being like, hi. <laughs> Please take care of me. <laughs> which, which, again, these are things that like happen in the comic book and that oh, could yeah. have been done well. I don't want to shit on the cinematographer but like the way it was shot was not well yeah um well shot it was definitely shot like this is a superhero action film i think it's fair to shit on the cinematographer for that um i just i don't know what kind of like direction he was given at the end of the day 
Um, I guess like, you could always just shit on the director because at the end of the day, it is the director that did it. The director is clearly writer, so. not a actual fan of comics. He's not a fan of Daredevil. He doesn't know Daredevil. Like, I feel like the writers were because they had an idea of iconic moments, but the director well, clearly did well, not. The director was a writer in this. Then they did not. <laughs> I think I they were given, it. like, key moments from the comic books and, like, told to do this. Um, I, I also think that if you're writer movie, and director, then you don't have an excuse. Unless the producer don't give them that excuse. I I just I know I know how the meat's made. I know how the sausage is made. Um, <laughs> sort of, <laughs> sort of. So like I know like it, when you have Fox and Marvel uh, like paying for your shit, they're going to have say. On, I mean, that's the whole reason there's a director's cut is because Marvel. Um, I think it was Ari Ari Arvid, Ari Avid. I think is the guy who like was behind all the Marvel movies at that point. Um, Possibly, I I forget I forget the exact name. Um, I he, I will say that there is something to be said for them being able to argue their case to those executives because clearly in the past that has worked. People have managed to get their films done in ways that worked out in really amazing. Like this is exact. This is perfect. If you could not find your way to explain to them why you need to do this in a better way, that's a failing. I absolutely um, disagree. <laughs> I, I absolutely disagree. Um, then, then there's no point. Like, what's the point of talking about it then? Like, no one failed. <laughs> there, no one made a mistake. It was all happenstance. The the director did not. It's hard to know just by watching the movie to point. This is the person to blame, or this is the person to blame. You have to know this is I mean, this is one of the reasons we do the podcast is we dig up the people responsible because it's um, never just one person. It's, <laughs> it's the and it's never one person who's the cause of success either. Yeah. A film mm-hmm. by its nature is a collaborative thing. True. With that said, but like you're the director of this film. Yeah. Like if people can also be like the fault as the director for failing mm-hmm. a film then you also need to be the fault for the film being correct. Like, there's a lot of times where we go, this film failed because the director was did had a vision that didn't work. Well, then well, how did that director get that much control? How, about, like, there, there has to be some that falls on them. Like, you can't completely absolve them of any guilt. It depends on... No, and I'm not, because I, I also, like, this director... Um, because he's also the writer, I'm like, well, the dialogue's pretty god awful. So, but but I'm I'm arguing like all movies, all movies are a collaborative effort. Oh, of course. Dude, I mean, of think, course. Think, think back about just like when we were in theater. When a show yeah. went well, the directors didn't get any acknowledgement. It was the actors, of course, because the people are the audience is watching the actors. Yeah. Now, when something goes wrong. It's the director's fault. It can be. It can be. Um, for for me to say, like, the director is wholly at fault, that director had to be completely in charge of the thing. And is so rare for a director to get um, final... It's called final cut. Like, final cut on the film. Um, to have complete control over the script. Uh to have complete control over the casting like that almost never happens especially at like this level of uh film production like this was a studio film this was a fox Mm -hmm. marvel collaboration um 
that that director was sitting in meetings probably like 80 percent of the time and had uh the the fox producers telling him like this is xyz what we want i i can almost guarantee he did not choose the release date of valentine's day oh sure not Um, of course (laughs) um but it just doesn't make sense to also be like it's none of this is he's absolved of any guilt no no no. he's a writer and director like at that point you have a lot of power it doesn't matter what like yes the fox producers are going to be there and there's going to be all that as well but like Mm -hmm. you're a writer and director like you might as well also be Kevin Costner and be writer, director, and actor. <laughs> and then be like, oh, it wasn't his fault, though. It right. was the executive's fault. You're like, so then what was he there for? <laughs> like, yeah. what did he provide? <laughs> I don't know, because like, there's... Like, like I don't think I don't think he can be absolved of any blame for like he's definitely... He definitely has something that he has to shoulder, but like, I, yeah. I, I keep thinking back to like... I keep... And, when we did the nothing but trouble episode, mm-hmm. I did a lot of reading about, um, about bonfire of the vanities because they, like that production had such a big impact on the other one. Mm-hmm. Were- I haven't listened to that yet because I'm waiting to make Lauren watch it and then we'll listen to okay. it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. I, I won't spoil anything too much about, uh, about that then, but there, but the, 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 um, that movie had so much, going wrong with it that was like some of it was brian de palma's fault as the director some of it was also his fault as a producer some of it was the fault of the guy who wrote the book that the movie was based on (laughs) some of it was the studio trying to interfere and force them to do things certain ways it was In in a weird sick way like one of the things that makes this podcast fun to do is figuring out like what did what what happened to make a movie this yeah yeah yeah. Um and it's very rarely like we can take um the last airbender for example like yeah. it's very easily to point the Shyamalan and be like you fucked up. And he did. He did. Uh, but there's so many other people that but also fucked up. Like again, like don't don't take what I'm saying as me being like this is only the the director's mm-hmm. fault. You know what I mean? It's not sure. only their fault. Right. But they do need to answer for their sins. <laughs> I'm just gonna do a little quick Google on. I think the I think director is like Mark Stephen. Yeah, Johnson. I, I I just I just pulled it up a second ago. Um, yeah, Mark Stephen Johnson is his name. Um, and I'll I'll get his his email address for you, Mike. <laughs> and you know what? No, give me the, his actual address, and I'll just show up at his house. Wait. Hey, hey, Mark, get Hi. your ass out of here. Do you even care about Daredevil? <laughs> I don't really, but I'm upset. I want you to show up with volumes one, two, and three of like Frank Miller's run on Daredevil and just start reading it to him. God, it's three in the morning and also 2021. <laughs> but you know what? The nice thing is he let me in. We had some tea. We talked about it. He understands what he did wrong, and he's willing to make some reparations. Oh, dude. You don't even like. There we go. We're starting Listen. a new film. Jack, you're actually cast as Daredevil, so you Fuck. need to start working out oh, today. No. Mm-hmm. Quit your job. I Let's get to work. Old man Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> What's Listen. wrong with that? Old Man Logan was a fucking hit. Why not we Old Man Daredevil? That's true. We can end the conversation right now because Daredevil's not even his worst sin. Oh? No. Shit. You want to know the movie he did after this? What did he do after this? Ghost Rider. So did you're did going to Ghost look Rider? me in the yeah. eyes, Jack. Yeah. Look into the screen. Look into your camera. I can't, I can't. Look into the camera right <laughs> now. 
and defend that man to me. Tell me, tell me that he saw the most iconic moment for Electra, where that sigh went through her fucking body and came out the wrong way <laughs> in the film and was like, perfect. They Don't were, reshoot they were that. Flimsy sigh. <laughs> Don't, and, but he pulls it back out and it's straight. Okay. He fixed it. It's 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 bullseye. He fixed it like the, the paperclip. The, the, oh, 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 okay. Really he didn't do a hand thing. He just pulled it. You have to hold on. You have to watch. Thing. You have to watch very very closely. This bullseye is really really into up close magic. Yeah. Also, I am so upset about that bullseye. <laughs> but let's continue. I'm. I mean, he's he's both terrible and also enthralling. If, <laughs> if, like if it was the Colin right Carroll tone just... of the film, he would have been perfect. The right tone yeah, of the film. No, I, agree, I think agree. he got the wrong direction from the beginning. He was in a completely different film. <laughs> I think they handed him volumes one, two, and three of Bendis's run on Daredevil. Yes, and he read it and he did it. Also, the um, they got they went into the future and they brought him the uh, the Dark Avengers and said, "Here you go. Yeah. learn about Bullseye from this." Yeah, no, like he's he's comic book accurate. Just no one else was. Yeah, and that's the problem. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah. they gave him a separate script. Yeah. And he fi- he pl- acted that out, and they were like, "Perfect, dude." And I'm pretty sure, and- like, Mike, they gave Michael Clark Duncan the same thing to read, and he was like, "No, yes, <laughs> no, yeah." He I've was like, I've, "I've got this." No, he's like, "I'm sorry, I'm." Do you know who I am? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to actor. do whatever I want, and so, they were like, "That's fair. Do whatever so you the, want." Moving past this, um, yeah. I'm not going to ask you if I changed your mind on Daredevil because I changed my own mind on it. Yeah, say, yeah, yeah, you kind of, um, you kind of, you kind of undid yourself on that one. Well, but, uh, I, I need more of your Daredevil. Like, I got your like lead up to the Daredevil. Tell me about the film itself. Like, I don't need to. It's bad. Oh shit. <laughs> no, no. Like, what I'm looking for is like, does my emotional connection to the film make it explains sense? why you care about it? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like, I care yeah. about it, but it is an awful film. And if I ever have to see that playground scene again, I will gouge out my own eyes. I will be blind. I spent 30 minutes yelling in my living room. (laughs) And Lauren, you need to message Lauren on Facebook and explain to her how sad you are that she had to experience me (laughs) like that. Just being so upset. I was like, okay, choose your lane. Are you going for camp? Or are you going not? Because if this man is pretending to be a blind attorney and he wants to keep he his failed. secret identity, then why what? in front of people that live in his neighborhood? Also, I'm vibrating. He's shaking. He's really shaking on camera. I'm upset. He's just jumping on seesaws. Jumping and flipping. Not only is he sec- like, not only is he pushing past any of her. She said no. Is Lauren yelling at you? She is right now. Hold on. What's up? Don't be understating that. That is a normal everyday experience for me. <laughs> she does not want that. Did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, she did. They heard it. Okay, that is her life. But you guys caused Re- it to repeat happen it, again. Repeat it for the audience, would you? <laughs> she said. Uh, she's like, like it, it should not be understated. Everyday experience. <laughs> <laughs> she has to endure Every that day. At all times but this was because of you guys it's your fault uh i'm like what is the thought process in that character's mind? like 
I am okay with camp. Oh, holy if Mike, you're going to do camp Mike, the whole way Mike, through, you he can't. He was horny. You can't. I, I understand that, but buck. you've also given up. It's not Batman. He's not Batman. Batman will give up his identity in five seconds oh, to true, anyone no. to get some sex. My theory is this is just actually how Ben Affleck flirts as he fights and. I believe that. But mostly to an audience of children. To an audience of children. (laughs) She said she didn't give him his name, was very clear about it. He followed her Mm -hmm. to start it up again. That's creepy. That was Grabs her hand as Mm -hmm. she's walking away and she's like, I don't want to be touched. And he's like, But what if I touch you more? And she's like, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. And he's like, Hell yeah, I'm going to fight you then. Can we end this segment? (laughs) Yeah, we we should probably move yeah. on here. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we're gonna take we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna come back, and we're going to and we're going to dive into Waterworld. Well, can I talk about the things I liked about it though? No, there aren't any. There's. <laughs> I love the Braille credits, opening credits. No, those are pretty cool. Oh, that was awesome. That. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Wasn't that cool? I was like, that's such a unique, awesome choice that they did. I was like, that's they, cool. They thought about it. They, like they did have somebody consult with. Um, the seeing impaired community. Uh, that's why you have the, the moment at the beginning with him folding the, the money. Um, you have, uh, I think the scene where he's dancing, was it like a direct memory of like one of the consultants? Um, there are legit moments that were good. Like this wasn't a, f- I don't feel about this film the same way I feel about the cable guy. Like there are <laughs> redeemable moments for me. Like um, it's, it's frustrating because uh, the the fight with Mark, Michael Clark Duncan was really cool. I like the lighting yeah. on the, the the weird water sprinkler system he has. Yeah, the um, sensory deprivation sleeping tank yes. that he had. Because how does Daredevil sleep if he does not have that? Mm-hmm. I, I thought I that that like blew my mind. I haven't seen that. That's what. Anytime I've seen that in in the the Charlie Cox version, I'm like, you, you are not sleeping on the couch, like, bud. You you could not fall asleep that way. It blew my mind. Like when I saw that, I was like, oh my god, that makes so much sense. This is somebody that like actually understood the character and was like, mm-hmm. this is the only way he could possibly sleep. Like if we're going to say that in normal moments he can't help but be destroyed by everything that is a sense around him. Yeah. That was so good. Um, That's why I kind of feel like there were too many cooks in the kitchen because there's there's a lot of different flavors. Yeah. Like I don't I don't want to just pile on how bad. Like I could spend all day talking about mm-hmm. the bad parts, but there's also good parts. So welcome back, everybody. Uh, we're gonna take we're gonna uh, take a, take a dip. We're gonna get a little wet here. We're gonna jump on in to <laughs> Waterworld. Mike, tell us what you got. All right. Uh, pretend Jack's not looking at me like that. So. <laughs> General synopsis. Uh, we've got a future a polar ice moist caps. Mad Max. Mad Max on water. My thing is, that's uh, that's one of my critiques, but we'll get to that. We'll get there. We'll get there. I just want to we'll start that. off with a quick synopsis. We can do this in a couple of sentences. <laughs> we've got a future polar ice caps. Melted. Earth. Almost entirely submerged. But the characters don't know that. They think it's entirely submerged. Uh, you've got mutated Mariner. He's fighting starvations and outlaws to survive and ends up being forced to reluctantly help a woman and her child. I like uh, to pretend this is the elevator pitch that the executives were given. In that point, I just go, Mad Max on water. 
Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Done. And I walk away, and they're just like, fuck. No, no, he's walking away. We have to throw the bag of money at him. Get it. <laughs> they're like, sir, sir, you forgot all of the money. We've gotten more money than we've ever put on anything else for you. And I'm like, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah. Can I get – I want a really good director, but I also want the one actor that he knows he can't work with. <laughs> The one actor he just worked with and asked us specifically not to cast. We like I love the concept of being like, guys, I actually like I know we're looking at leading men right now, and Kevin Costner's really high. Uh, I just worked with him in Robin Hood. It's not great. We had a lot of arguments. I don't think this would be healthy. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And then he walks on set that first day, and it's Kevin Costner <laughs> standing there, dressed as Mariner, drinking his own pee, soaking, drinking <laughs> his own pee. I'm getting ready. Fully method. Fully method. This is real. He's developed a thing, and you're like, in for Kevin, days. Kevin, there's no filters in that. That is still just pee. <laughs> I know. And he's like, whatever. <laughs> I, my thing is, like, and I'll start with a critique, even though this is supposed to be like what I love about, like a critique is it's like slow. There's like moments where it's slow and it, it kind of drags. I love that. I love those moments where you get to actually have time with the characters. It's something I like with like Breaking Bad. Those moments where you have those long end of scene moments where you're just watching their face and you get to see them act. Like Kevin Costner wasn't bringing a lot to it, but I can understand what his idea was for the character. Like I have a hard time enjoying Kevin Costner on this, knowing how he was to work with from sure. everything that I've read. Um, you know, obviously it's secondhand accounts, but I'm going to assume it's true. Uh, or you can just I, put an allegedly on the front of that, and then you're fine. I understand the concept of being like, your character is a mutant. People will kill you on sight, and that's actually the start of this film. <laughs> like, you're so, not going to be good at interacting with other people. Allegedly, I, the director... The, allegedly, the director is quoted as saying, Kevin Costner should only star in movies he directs. Yes! That way, he can work with his favorite, his favorite actor, actor and favorite director. <laughs> Hell yeah! Man, the shade. But it's so... Like, imagine how real that must be to have to deal with. Because he was <sighs> so powerful at that point. He came off yeah. of a couple gigantic films. Oh, yeah, he was a gargantuan star at the time. Yeah. 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 And then managed to fucking tarnish himself in the next couple. But... Uh, like you do. Like you do. I, I Honestly, I wish we all would have those moments just to be able to enjoy it, you know? Just to feel that kind of confidence in yourself and your vision, you know? I cannot um, imagine having any part of Waterworld not being miserable the whole fucking time. Like, I love the physical, like the, the, like the uh, non-CGI effects the fact that they spent so much to build that set and they they, they went so <laughs> much into try to make it as real as possible, despite all the warnings, people being like, hey, filming Jaws was awful. Don't ever film on the ocean. Just pretend. You can pretend. You're actors. Film in a fucking lake. Yeah. And they're like, no, we're filming on the ocean. Oh, there's a hurricane? Who could have guessed? Literally anyone. 
Literally any meteorologist. <laughs> those, wait, those happen over the ocean? <laughs> no, hold Shit. on now. I wait, you're saying the set Florida. could sink one time? You're like, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, your whole set. <laughs> also, we didn't build any bathrooms on this set. So the anytime people have to go to the bathroom, the they need to be f- fucking sent back to shore because we're oh, not no, fucking wild. Water. We don't go to the bathroom in the ocean. So, so Fish like, fucking in it already. Come on. It's just, just it's already gross enough. It's already gross enough. You can Jack? Make, you're not going to make it more gross. What about this movie connected with you? <laughs> I, well, that was it. Like, I, I have a tendency to really enjoy any movie that allows some breathing room for actors that doesn't. Because, like, one of the major critiques I get is that, like I said, it, it, it's slow and plotting at points. So I'm like, are you kidding me? The vast majority of this thing is, like, wild acrobatic action. Mm-hmm. People on jet skis <laughs> yeah. doing wild tricks. Like, there's tons of action, but, like, those moments where you actually get to see characters interact. And they're like, oh, well, uh, uh, like, Dennis Hopper, number one, is also a reason I love this. Because how could you not? Dennis Hopper of that time period is... Could do no wrong. (laughs) Only did wrong, but in the best way. (laughs) But that's it. Literally, you're like, okay, this is going to be bad, but can we get Dennis Hopper? Right. It will redeem us. It will redeem us. There we go. Like, Was he one of those actors that was just so in debt he did any movie at that time? I don't even know if that's true. I think he was just like... Much I'm having a great Cage time. Also had a T-Rex skull addiction. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what the Mario Brothers movie is about. And, and I also love the idea of being like, hey, here's a natural disaster that's in the making coming up. <laughs> like, here's a forceful way to bring it into the social zeitgeist. You know? Uh, not that it necessarily worked or helped at all, but it was an attempt. I have to. I have to wonder. Like, what I I, I want to go back and like read some of the some of the perception of the film at the time and see how present that was in the discourse. Because because mm-hmm. I know like whenever I think about my like my uh, knowledge of climate change and the impact of like the polar ice caps melting and everything, that doesn't become a thing that I start start thinking about until way later. Mm-hmm. Then again, in 1995, I'm nine, so <laughs> I I tend to look at movies from an actor's perspective. Like I am not, I've come to terms with the fact that I am not, I'm an actor. I, I, I'm not good at writing. I'm not good at directing. Uh, like I've tried them. I've given them an attempt. None of them feel right. Uh, acting is like where it is and building characters. Like, so I love the alien nature to Mariner. I can see what Kevin Costner was going for. I love getting to see Dennis Hopper get a chance to like, have so much fun with that character because you, you know he was. Yeah, that. yeah. Do you think like, any of his dialogue was improv? Because I'm feels not sure. So different than the rest of the, the rest movie. of the dialogue. Yeah, yeah. But but it also makes sense though because yeah, the dialogue no, you're sure, getting the, from absolutely. Mariner is not going to be the dialogue you're getting from a normal interacting human because <laughs> he is an alien to them. He's so like he's not socialized. He's he's kept on his own constantly. He has a very different experience than anyone from one of the atolls or whatever they called them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to experience. He doesn't have that. So like he's supposed to be alien. He's not supposed to quickly like. I, I don't like how quickly like just due to time they had to find a way to make him warm up to them 
quicker. But like, mm-hmm. I honestly do feel when I watched it, I was like, I I think this is a better slow engagement than most movies do. When you have the alien male figure, yeah, warming to, oh gosh, there are other people and they have needs and I should care about them. Yeah, like he got there, like he. He they was so quickly, like, aggressively against like, ah, it for a while, guy. but you could see the chinks. Um, like the moment where he's teaching Enola to swim, which is also kind of a plot hole. You're like, wait, <laughs> that character you never taught her to swim? That seems, that seems negligent. <laughs> yeah, like you live in water. <laughs> have we pointed out that there are three versions of this film yet? No, not yet. There are three form- versions. You have the theatrical reverse re- release, which is almost Kevin Cosner fully in control. Then you have the director's cut, which is the one that went to TV uh, mm-hmm. that is heavily censored. And then there is supposedly a director's cut that isn't, but they haven't put together. They're, very recently, they released uh, Arrow... Uh, a, a distributor released all three on Blu- Blu-ray. It's called the Ulysses Cut. I didn't know about that. Yeah, yeah. I I found it while researching this film, um, and I I don't know which version's on Netflix. I'm going to assume the theatrical cut. How I'm did like, you I, find I, I, that? It's got to be the theatrical cut. I, I can't yeah, see it being because without it actually saying otherwise. TV version's pretty long, right? The TV version is like forty minutes longer. Okay. Yeah. So it'd be, so, so it's like a three-hour film at that point. Yes, but it. As I was talking about with you, while as an aside, like Mm -hmm. we try to rush movies so much to fit Mm -hmm. everything into it. This is not a movie you can do in one movie. You can't do it. No, there's too much world building plus plot. Yeah, like you you need to gradually build into that, and uh, it's so wild that we can't allow that kind of space. uh, I would love to watch. I like. I've wanted to watch the director's cut. I haven't actually watched it because I don't want to watch the censored version. Sure. A part of me is just very pixie, like picky, to be like, I don't want to watch uh, Dennis Hopper have his words swir- <laughs> right. like switched out with slumming. <laughs> You're like, God my, damn it! My Let him say what he was saying. The Ulysses cut takes the non-censored stuff from the theatrical cut plus the additional stuff from the TV cut and puts them together. Ooh, I want it. I need so, to watch that. I didn't know that existed. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to watch it, but I don't want to pay $20 for it. Cause it's, it's like a prestige um, DVD or Blu-ray. Release. I'll pay 20 bucks for that. I, whatever. Like, cause I love it. Like I, I wouldn't say that it's like one of my favorite films, but I do mm-hmm. enjoy films like this. It's like the reasons why I like Breaking Bad. I like the slow character. Give that to me. Let me I see. Think- Go ahead. I think that this, like, so one of my big problems with the version I watched was that it was very crammed. Yes. And having it breathe a little bit, especially, especially when it's the little girl's kidnapped, it's just, it's like, go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it, it, the pace gets almost breakneck. Uh, 100%. At that point. You get total 90s film. Yeah. No pausing for breath. Yeah, yeah, Act Three in general, just like it's such a, it's a tonal shift, it's a production value shift. It's yeah. like there's a lot that goes sideways in that act, I think. But, but I see critiques like, oh, you weren't able to care about any of the characters. None of the characters you care about. I'm like, that is a lie. 
Like, yeah, I don't think that's a fair you love necessarily. You are engaged by Dennis Cop- like Hopper's character. If yeah. you tell me you're not engaged by that, you're not alive, and I think you're some sort of pod person. Um, I don't I trust you. About the old man that measures the black stuff down the pit. Oh my god, right, dude. What a moment where he's like, oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Was, yeah, that <gasps> delivery, like, shook me. Like, holy. When he dropped that flare, and I was like, not the old man. And yeah. then the old man was like, oh, thank God. I was like, oh. Yeah. And you're like, what? But that's what? a powerful moment. See, my thing is, even before that, I'm like, oh, that guy wants, to, that guy's not happy. There's no happiness to that life. And when he sees that, I was like, that's, that's what I needed. But the social commentary, too. Yeah. You see him go like, oh, Exxon... Valdez. Let's talk no about... Way. I had to look that up. Oh, I got that right away. Um, <gasps> Joe Hazelwood, Joe? my captain. <laughs> I was like, oh, like Saint Jonas, the like, shade of it all. Yeah, like they... they, they yeah. Uh, like, I like that they like, they plant that seed early on, like they're calling it the D's and like they're, like they're not... Which, it, which now is very funny. <laughs> but... <laughs> Even more funny, yes. <laughs> even even funnier, I should say, yeah. But yeah, but then but then you actually get to like the real the real deal, and you figure out what like what they're descended from. Like that mm-hmm. commentary is pretty great. It's so good, and like even just the starting of the film where you get the globe, you've got the the normal like build in, and then it starts melting. Yeah, the the universal globe like kind of coming in. You see just all the land start to submerge. Like, it was a, it was a it's the same effort. thing that I got from the Braille for Daredevil. Like, it's just that little touch that, like, tells you that these people thought about it. Mm-hmm. And it, it shows you that kind of care. And that means a lot to me. Um, but, like, you get critiques where it's like, uh, like, my, the critique I feel the strongest for, and I agree with, is there's too many action scenes, not enough exploration of the world. Mm-hmm. Which is where I go into the, we tried to cramp, like, where you said, you tried to cramp so much into this one film. It's like, Take the time. If you're going to put this forth, Mad Max had two films. Three, like, four. Say, hey. Yeah, there's more than that. But I mean, like, two major ones. Like, I think two that were at the, the... At the, that point. At that point, yes. Yeah. Like, yes. We're talking about it at that time in the world. It's like, yeah. they got two <laughs> films. Allow us two films to build this. Like, let us do... Th- you're willing to give us this budget allow us to do this like there's so much there that could have been mined let, let me ask you this because i was thinking about because the, the mad max comparisons are are obvious right mm-hmm. so i was like okay well how do they do the mad max version mad max films versus this and in in the mad max universe uh specifically road warrior and thunderdome and fury road they pick they don't go into a lot of world building. They pick a story and let you experience the world. Mm-hmm. So um, Fury Road, just because it's the most recent one, it's it's literally uh, we need to get this tanker from point A to point B. And whatever world you experience during that journey, you experience. Um, whereas when you in Waterworld, there are points where I'm like, oh, this is exposition that could have been told in a different way. Would you have preferred them to build a longer film so that you could experience the world building and the action? Or would you prefer them to take more of a Mad Max route where it's like you're experiencing this uh, typical story build and whatever world you experience during that, cool, cool, cool. I love that question. Uh, 
for what I think would be better for them would mm-hmm. be the Fury Road option. Mm-hmm. If they could have found, if they could have just chosen one route and went with it, they would have been better. Like if they were like, you know what, let's not bother with actual world building. Let them experience it through the action. Don't spend time trying to explain it to them. Let them infer it as they go. Yeah, That would have been tight. For me, I love the concept of give me two films. Give me at least two. Two three-hour length films. Yes. Yes. Why not, man? (laughs) Why not? You have $200 million. (laughs) $200 million. Can't tell me. That you can't give me two fucking films Where with that. Where did that money go? Uh, the set, uh, everything Kevin Costner yes, needed, which was apparently a ridiculous boat to get him to and from the set. Yeah, uh, his own pay. Uh, all of the people they had to have do the stunts because there were yeah, so many people. Plus, the set did sink at one point. You heard about that, okay. right? They did have to refloat that set. Uh, the set was crazy, but also, how beautiful was the set, though? It was pretty like, cool set. It was an awesome set. How magical yeah, was it? The, if only they could put the bathrooms the on that shit. <laughs> are, we, are we talking about the atoll or the um, cruiser both? or the, the ship? Both of them? Honestly, both, yeah. Like, the atoll yeah. was, like, a big, impressive, mm-hmm. like... Well, I meant which one sunk. Oh, was the, oh the atoll. Was the, the atoll okay. sunk, yeah. The atoll sunk. Wild shit. and sad. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh. Like, when I heard about it, I was like... So what did you do? And they're like, oh, they spent a lot of money to make it come back up. I was like, yeah, I guess that makes how sense. do you do that? <laughs> we can't get the Titanic out of the they, fucking they ocean. How did James you do Cameron. that? They yeah. hired James Cameron to do it. <laughs> it's a practice run for Titanic. Yeah. Uh, there's, the, the, like, I am there for that kind of world. Like, I'm, I'm not bothered by the fact that they're saying, oh, it's Mad Max on water. You're like, Cool. No, I have no problem with that. Yeah, it's like My awesome. Actually, why? Why would I? Mad Max in space. Mad Max at the chocolate factory. Mad Max, mm. give it to me. <laughs> Guzzling, indeed. Yeah, like. Uh, uh, My uh, biggest problem with the film, besides the yeah. third act in, in structure, is, and I know they wouldn't have been able to make it otherwise, but Kevin Costner is miscast. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred. Like uh, I. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Please finish. Just. His range doesn't fit. Like, I cannot buy him as the edgy um, kind of loner dude. Uh, that, you have his ego and you have his pay. If you'd gotten a younger actor... I mean, again, they wouldn't have been able to market it if they'd not gone with him. Exactly. But for the for the sake of, of making a good film, there are so many other people that they could have gone with. But that's the thing. Like, you had Kevin Costner and... I'm willing do I think Kevin Costner was the right one for this one? Obviously mm-hmm. not. Like cuz I can't even like come like this is the universe we live in. Kevin Costner mm-hmm. was awful and was a detriment to the film. Do I think his acting was necessarily the worst? No. But like was it a positive for the film? No. There were mo- there were moments where it was like okay I enjoy like I enjoyed how he yeah. rolled with the situation but there are other times where it's like your delivery is like really yeah. fucking stilted and and like I again I can see what he's going for it's like that alien it's there's not it's not congruent you can't this is a man that's lived on a fucking boat by himself for most of his life what was Russell but Crowe then you're also like the this shouldn't even be that close 
Like you shouldn't even be able to interact this well. So like you're you're giving like either you have to go full bore into that or you don't. Or we could just get a better actor for this who has better nuance. Uh but they didn't. So like what can you do? It's like how I feel about Daredevil, where I'm like, Colin Firth probably would have been a better Daredevil. And then give Ben Affleck to 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 Bullseye. <laughs> and give him the correct script. Colin Firth. That's <laughs> very different no, no. than Colin Farrell. Farrell, Farrell, <laughs> god damn it. But but I liked this. No, I like this direction, and I want to see, now. I want to see. Uh, I want to see, see that badly. Actually, forget, forget bringing Charlie Cox back as uh, <laughs> right. in the MCU. Give me Colin Firth current day as current day Colin Firth as Daredevil. Uh, like um, the person I would pick off the top of my head to replace Kevin Costner is Russell Crowe, who at this time was doing LA Confidential, so he was in his like real gruff stage. But do you think he would be? Even I can, if there's one person I could imagine that would be harder to work with than Kevin Costner, <laughs> I'm going to say it's probably <laughs> Russell Crowe. Hmm. At that point, and I don't know, I yeah. don't know timeline well enough. Do you yeah, think really Russell know, Crowe's yeah. ego, where is it in size at that point? Well, it's a pre gladiator. It's pre gladiator, so it would have been easier. Okay, so smaller easy. than possible. Yeah. Then, then yeah. he might have been great. You could also have gone with really any competent actor could have played that well, part. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like Russell Crowe might actually be perfect for that if it's pre Gladiator, because yeah. his yeah. brain, like his ego, might not be so large that he's impossible Anything. to work with. Yeah. Um. So I like that. I like that a lot. Russell Crowe actually would have probably been. Plus, they wouldn't have spent so much time trying to hide that like Kevin Costner's hairline was receding. Yeah, they didn't do a great job. Huh, they worked real that. hard yeah. though. You they could see try. it. They tried. They were trying. Dude, it's it's water. Like you But hard. every time he came out of the water, you're like, that's weird. You're less wet than you should be. Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, weren't you just submerged? That's weird. Uh, your hair is it's as if your hair's been drying for a while, so it looks fluffier. It should be matted to your skull. <laughs> Do your gills double as an air dryer? Yeah. Like, I don't know that. I'm fully being honest when I'm like, I think this is a film then that is better than it's been received. Um, I have a, I think I have a unique perspective from like my own personal preferences that is making me like go, Oh, this could be, there's a, there's, there's promise. A lot of potential there. Potential. I, I, I think the yes. initial response was unfair, but over time, it's. I mean, look at it. Its score is not bad. I mean, it's not great, but like for what it is, I think the score is about right. It's an average '90s action flick, um, and I I do think that like from when I started at the very beginning, speaking about the um, people hearing from publications like, oh, we found out that there's a lot of fights between the lead actor and the director, mm -hmm. and oh, they spent. A hundred million dollars more than they expected to. Yeah, like everyone went into it looking to tear it down because the, the negativity yeah. going towards it was already there. So the critics didn't want to risk themselves by giving it anything, and the audiences were already primed to see it in a negative light. They they watched it though because they it made money. Yeah, like it just it, theatrically. It, it was not a bomb. It, it quote unquote was a bomb, but. 
financially, it was not a bomb. Honestly, theatrically, theatrically, it made back its money. It did. Yeah, but it, it, it we, ended up making back that money and then some. But even outside of theatrical, on DVD sales, everything else, it made a lot of money. There's a reason why one, it's still... Yeah, go ahead. I can say one thing for a fact. For a fact, of the three movies I watched for this episode, it's the one I like the most. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. All right, so uh, to, to wrap things up, um, Joe, do you, do you feel like your mind has been changed on Waterworld? Where, where did you land? Um, so I think I mentioned, like, I, I, I ended up... I ended up not disliking this as much as I thought that I was going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I definitely enjoyed parts of it. And, you know, it, but, you know, like I said, like the third act gets kind of haywire. Um, but I really like, uh, Mike, I really like your read on the character driven aspects mm-hmm. of it. I think that really, that really kind of reframes a couple of moments for me. And I think really kind of, you know, ups my estimation of it a bit. Awesome. Um, Jack. He still hates it. I feel about the same as I did. I I, I never hated it. That's fair. I I hate that it opens on the pee drinking scene. (laughs) I really want that to be like. It makes no sense. Five to ten minutes further into the movie. It's why spend all of your effort refining pee when you could just desalinate the water. Like. Uh, My understanding, that's a more difficult process. It's it's the flavor. (laughs) <laughs> but I'm surprised that people would like be like, this is enough for me to do this, but I'm not willing to do this. You know, yeah. uh, the the first act. Great. Love. It. It's very Mad Max feel world building mm-hmm. weird characters. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, second act kind of rapey kind of. But it's so 90s. Isn't it, is, it so 90s? It is, yeah, no, it is 90s. It is. Yes. Yeah, it can tell you can feel the concept of. Each of I the three think... movies we picked is of its time. Oh, yes. yes. Um, I mean, I would argue that they're all 100% of their time. Yeah. The Jim oh, yeah. Carrey, like everything in that, there's there's definitely some very non-consenty stuff going on there, too. Yeah, Again, Daredevil, he refused any bit of her consent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the, the, the way it's written, the way it's filmed, the way it's cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the lack of consent. Well, yeah, you're seeing a white guy's idea of what would happen in the apocalypse, which would be, yeah. well, obviously, we'll go back to where women are just currency. Right. Yeah. Um. And then the third act is just bonkers. I'm not saying I didn't like parts of the third act, but Same. it's pretty bonkers. Same. Remember when he bungee jumped down and I he had just the perfect amount? That. The the Okay, the entire sequence where Enola is like telling off this guy by like by saying all this badass stuff about yeah. about the mariner they did the, about, the and, and he just Liam Neeson monologue but yeah so he, 90s he, he just batmans his way into the into the fucking d's so 90s like, it's <laughs> it's like what like what you 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 expect me you expect me to believe that this, like this kid has this level of like ascertainment of his ability right. and like lack of and lack of compassion and also that he's suddenly batman enough to just fight his way through it, it every really one of these shot. jokers i will argue that she's like eight years old yeah she could totally see him that way 
But who writes okay. her dialogue for her? Her dialogue, not well written, <laughs> but I could see a child seeing him that way. Yes. That I, could I can see, see. her. Now, him fighting his whole way through their underdecks, I go, wow. Yeah. <laughs> How is he not taking control of anything? <laughs> um, so where I land on it is it's I would watch Mad Max before this. Yeah. But if those movies were all out of the rental store and this was like the fourth DVD down, I would pick uh, it up. I would yeah. also I am also interested in watching the longer the the Ulysses cut. I, yes. I'm, in, I'm intrigued um, by that too. But I'm not paying for it. Supposedly uh, there's also a sequel that might actually up. happen. There's Wait, no, I have what? no desire for a sequel. There is conversation. Apparently there's a couple people that are like it's not gonna be Kevin Costner, obviously, involved. But like as of like 2021, there are some people that are like, we have some people that are interested in actually Ooh, making this happen. That's bonkers. I want it. Give it to me. If you if Tremors can have a 48th extra movie, <laughs> I want it. Okay? If it's a sci-fi original and I don't have to pay for it, I'll watch it. Beautiful. Here we go. <laughs> Beautiful. Wonderful. How do we wrap this up? Uh, tears <laughs> this has been fun there's no tears it has been fun um how do we wrap this up uh do we talk about don't, hamburgers again don't feel bad about the kind of hamburger you enjoy yeah you enjoy that hamburger life is hard enough without having somebody make you feel bad about the burger you want to eat yeah i think it's, okay yeah that's an interesting an interesting note to go out on because i think you and i had talked about this a little bit before when we were coming up with this idea because mm-hmm. uh, for a very long time like the idea of the guilty pleasure was something that i just like found ridiculous like i mm-hmm. didn't like my view of my view on it for like for years and years and years was like no if you're gonna try to make me feel guilty about liking a thing fuck you like let me let people like things um though i think more the point of, of a guilty pleasure like what i've evolved into you know or what i've come to think of them as is more something like that you can recognize is maybe lacking in, in some artistic merit or something but something that you still get some level of enjoyment from yeah that's the way i see it well that's the thing like you can understand that there are flaws it's something i've tried to myself come to understanding with like friends you can understand that your friends are flaws they can have flaws and you don't need to necessarily like you don't have to ignore them to still be friends with them like obviously there are some flaws that are unacceptable but you can understand that your favorite film isn't perfect but if it if it brings you fucking pleasure and it's not hurting someone that's okay The, the way i so like Aaron watches a lot of Aaron, friend of the podcast, uh, <laughs> watches a lot of films that I don't care for myself. But like, what I always tell him is, life sucks, and if you can enjoy something for two hours, who am I to say you're an asshole for it? Yeah, the thing, like the thing you're watching, is not hurting anybody. No, and if it is, fuck. well, it could. It yeah, could. don't. D- I mean, it can. It can. So long as your shit is like not actively hateful. Then who like, fucking cares? If it's a Jack Black film that doesn't hurt anybody and it's funny to you, enjoy the fuck Batman out of it. Batman versus Superman. Fine, watch it. Yeah, take your pleasure out of it. <sighs> don't make me watch it. Yeah, but don't force anyone to watch it. Do we Unless need it's Jack Snyder cut. No. 
grab Jack, force him to watch it, take pleasure in his pain. I'm so tired. <laughs> can, we, can we end this, please? Yes. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, Mike, thank you for, uh, for thank you for joining us and uh, and and uh, having some great talks about some it was, uh, some ridiculous films. It was my pleasure. Uh, do you have anything that you want to share, social wise, internet wise, <laughs> stuff you're working on wise? No, I am boring as hell. I wish there was something I was working on, but I am like absolute hermit at this point. Uh, totally fair. Someday, maybe. But uh, I'm excited to be a part of this. This was fun. Uh, love you guys. Right. You can find me uh, on Instagram, all the socials at dollboy underscore Jack. Um, we promise next episode we'll be back to our usual fuckery. Uh, spoilers. We're doing cats. Yeah, we are. Yeah, <laughs> we are. We Jack. Jack has something in store. He has told me he has actually found a way to fix this movie. I found a way to do. He it. found a way to do it. I don't understand how that's possible. It's but. Taylor Swift playing every role, right? I, I, I cut her actually. <laughs> oh, um, so she's. Oh, um, you can find me on Instagram at JM Nealis. Uh, some I sometimes I post art stuff there. Uh, not in quite a while, but who knows? Uh, so. Uh, thank you all for listening, for checking us out here again. Um, so uh, so I, I, real quick, I want to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and subscribing uh, and rating and reviewing all of us. Uh, you, we've, we've gotten some really great reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Yeah, please continue doing that. Please write more reviews so we get picked up um, in more search results and get rated higher in the or ranked higher in those results. Um, and, uh, we also just recently hit 500 overall plays, which is awesome. We're very proud of that. <laughs> we can't <laughs> thank you all so much for, uh, for wasting your time you listening duped. to us talk about these stupid fucking movies. Um, so come back and check us out, uh, every, every other Tuesday here uh, and be sure to check back with us here again, where, we'll, where we will be sure to razzle dazzle you. To razzle dazzle you, baby. There we go. Hell yeah. Hell yeah.